0: Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. All right, Nick, let's start with some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month.
1: Thanks, Aditi. Hello to all of our listeners. It's good to be back with another installment of our monthly podcast series, and we're up already, believe it or not, to episode 32. So thanks for all the support and the listeners. We look forward to doing many more episodes. But anyway, to dive straight in, we'll we'll talk about this possibly next month because Climate Bond Initiative have just come out with a report to analyze in detail the first half numbers in relation to sustainable finance. But I think what we can see across the market, bond market under pressure, loan markets up and down, which is creating mixed sort of demand, but still... We're pretty busy at Sustainalytics with lots of companies preparing for future issuances, but maybe there's not as many market sort of windows with a bit of volatility around. So I guess let's just see what happens in the market going forward. But hopefully sustainable finance can continue to grow, albeit within the context of what's happening globally and, and maybe some parts of the, of the market will, will shrink. And then we'll probably end up working on a few more loans and things like that. But let, let's see. There's a couple of interesting articles about, you know, the the geographic splits within the overall sustainable finance market and you know Europe's dominance in green, maybe not as pronounced as it was before. China doing some pretty heavy volumes. We saw that China came out with their own green bond principles, more to access and have more consistency with the global markets over the last couple of weeks. So let's just see how the market develops. Lots of things happening globally, certainty, risk on, risk off, bouncing around. A little bit of a shout-out, I guess, to our team and, and to the corporates and banks that work with us. Environmental Finance came out with a updated view on volumes for second-party opinions in the first half and sustainability continues to lead the market in that regard. So a quick shout-out and thanks to all the partners um, that we work with, which was great to, to see. And I guess where you're based at DT, still very strong performance across building out our market there for, for second-party opinions which is really good to see. An article that I thought was interesting that we hadn't quite seen before was a tranche of a bond done, I think it was done in Europe, and one tranche was green and one tranche was social. So rather than sort of going the sustainability option and and have split use of proceeds under one tranche or one bond, some green, some social, I think, believe it or not, it was the first time that that's happened. So just to call that out as an interesting development, and sometimes the feedback we get is that some customers want to stick to green because that may maximise the investor base that have specific mandates for green only. And interesting to see, maybe we'll start to see some tranches come out bonds and just specific things rather than mix everything together. And some investors maybe then can choose buy some social and some green from a particular issuer. So interesting one there. Lots of articles, a ditty about nuclear really back on the radar, so to speak, in terms of some things happened in both Europe uh, 3DF, Ontario, Power, I believe is the name, also in Canada, on the back of um, Canada, working with risk Power, I think, earlier this year or late last year. And that's in light of what's happening in in relation to the EU taxonomy. So interesting development. I guess overall we need as many solutions as we can, but there's still a lot of different views about nuclear, and we'd say to the partners we work with, come and talk to us about nuclear at sustainability. We're, we're happy to hear out those cases. We generally don't prefer or we generally don't like i have a position not really to be favorable on supporting new capacity, but if it's more around maintenance for something that's existing there and do no significant harm provisions and very strict regulations to adhere to, those things are possible, but an interesting development in the market, nonetheless. the same. A few articles about in Malaysia and Islamic financing in terms of some things that are happening in the Middle East. So good to see again ongoing diversification of product style geography. What else have we got here? Connected to the point I just made on, on Europe, the green bond standard, hopefully coming out soon at some stage in Europe, and that'll drive another level of detail in the market given their requirements for what frameworks should include, what reporting should be done, what level of external review should be included, are a lot more detailed than sort of anywhere else in the market. So look out for that space, and I just wonder how strict some of those requirements will be. And whether that drives more of the market development on linked facilities, given that linked has some benefits of flexibility, but then the is around ambition rather than green bond standard, which we can say that use of proceeds traditional part of the market's more about eligibility. So let's see how that goes. To our banking partners, a really good document that came out over the month was from um, GFANS. I forgot exactly what that stands for. I'm pretty sure it's a net zero coalition with um, financial institutions they came out with some really detailed reports there's two or three of them about how a bank can approach a holistic way to reduce and decarbonize their book from policies to sectors that, that they shouldn't be participating in to an approach for sectors that banks are supporting and how to sort of track and map and and steer that over time so I would check that out I found that quite a good read what else have we got interestingly enough on climate bond initiative our friends there, always very active, always great contributors to the market, came out with a methodology or updated methodology around how they count certain bonds towards their volumes and databases. So, check that out. There were some interesting, subtle developments about things like airport terminals, whether they can be green or not, and some other, you know, really interesting items as they continue to upgrade and, and groom their taxonomy more and more couple of articles about securitization and structured deals, which hopefully will continue to see evolve in the, the use of proceeds space and maybe even space over time. Who knows on that one? Scope 3, supply chain emissions, sustainable finance connected to supply chain. Again, a few articles about that, and that is something that um, Sustainalytics is increasingly involved in working with customers, whether it's KPIs connected to suppliers whether it's light touch ESG ratings connected to suppliers and aggregated and then brought back to map to embedded in some different types of sustainable trade and finance structures. So let's see how that part of the market um, develops. An interesting one that I saw was NNIP developing a social bond fund. So I guess that evidences the, the ongoing maturity and size of the social bond part of the market and dedicated funds to that. And maybe that was one of the reasons why we've seen some issuers do that that tranching approach, one green, one social to appeal to maybe some dedicated investors on that social side. Let's see how that sort of goes. A few articles on biodiversity, you know, obviously nature positive, a very key theme that's going to evolve when it's sustainability where big believers in obviously, you know, net zero as a key concept, nature positive is a key concept. And then also social dynamics. So things happening and impacting corporates on all those three parts. The other one, just to round off, I guess, the news this month at listeners was environmental finance came out with a great report about the type of GHG targets used in linked instruments. And again, we'd encourage any of our listeners to, to check out the materials from environmental finance it is a pretty good quality publication with lots of interesting reports and and market news. But what I really took away from that was that if you look at the whole market of linked loans, linked bonds, probably 70%, 75% of KPIs are connected to some form of GHG reduction, about 10% other environmental issues such as water, maybe about 10% then social and less than 5% ESG ratings and connected to, to different types of governance initiatives. Within that chunk of the major part of the market being connected to GHGs because they translate well to key objectives of companies and also quant-based sort of thinking is that the bulk of those, two-thirds of those targets were really around absolute reductions, some of them also a bunch intensity, but certainly absolute being the bigger part of the market. And that was really the key takeaway there. The other one was probably the emergence of Scope 3. So if you look at scope 3 in isolation or scope 3 connected to, to other GHG targets, it's probably only still, you know, 15-odd percent of the market, maybe up to 20 now, but we still see that as a key trend emerging. So GHG targets continuing to dominate. Within that, Absolute dominates the style of KPI and then Scope 3 coming up more and more. But we hope that that Scope 3 number can be really built up. Depending on industry, it's increasingly important that all sectors are slightly different in terms of their composition of GHG. So pretty busy month there. So moving to transaction specifics, Aditi, anything that you've noticed in relation to the SLB part of the month?
0: So SLBs, as you know, the market has been pretty flat. So there's not much to highlight, uh, except probably maybe for one a Mexican domestic cookware manufacturer. So they've published a framework ahead of a potential issuance of a sustainability link bond. But that's really it on the SLB side. However, the loan market has been quite busy. So a lot of transactions that we saw on the SLL side and starting with uh, with property. And most of these are the transactions that happened either in UK or Ireland. So the first one was this G15 landlord, which is like a group of London's largest housing associations. So they managed to secure a sustainability linked loan, which seems to be the largest that they've managed to get till date. Another one is another UK housing firm, LNQ, that signed a sustainability linked loan with Lloyd's bank. And the KPIs for this loan were tied to affordable housing. And then in Ireland, there was Cairn Homes that also signed a sustainability-linked loan facility. Moving on to the other sectors, so there was one SLL in the renewable sector. This was the Spanish firm Iberdola. And then Telcos also saw a loan transaction from a firm called Prismian. This is an Italian cable firm that secured a loan from a syndicate of banks. And one of the KPIs which really stood out to me for this transaction was on a gender-based theme. So, they have a KPI tied to increasing the number of women in white-collar and executive positions. So, it's really good to see that sort of a a gender-based approach. And another one, a KPI, was tied to the sustainability audits in the supply chain. So, you mentioned about supply chain gaining prominence and banks are also exploring this, but it's good to see it coming up in loan transactions as well, a little bit different to see. Another one, that i wanted to highlight was within the aluminium sector so this is a norwegian aluminium producer norsk hydro that has borrowed under a sustainability linked loan framework and they're really targeting to increase the amount of aluminium that they recycle other than reducing scope one and two absolute emissions so they have two kpis but good to see focus on increasing the amount of recycling as well Another transaction which again had a gender-based theme similar to the one I highlighted before is Canadian retailer Dollarama. So even they had one of the KPIs was tied to environmental targets reducing scope one and two. But more and more we're seeing issuers coming up with social or with gender-based themes So exploring different themes other than just environmental. And again, their second target is also tied to increasing female gender representation in management positions. So, yeah, so this one again has a has a gender theme. Agri-sector also saw a few transactions. So one was Kofco, which is a Chinese agricultural firm. And their KPI, interestingly, was tied to our Sustainalytics ESG management score. So as you know, our rating can be used as a KPI, but they've specifically narrowed it down to the ESG management score, and another agri-transaction was um, Halcyon Rubber. There was another transaction in the oil and gas sector, so there is some sort of transition happening within oil and gas as well, looking to decarbonize their operations. This company is a Brazilian oil and gas firm, Petrobras, so they've signed a sustainability link loan, and their targets are tied to GHG emissions intensity as well as methane intensity. And then few other transactions, one was Monash University, another one was shipping. This is Sea Energy Maritime Firm. It's a Greek bulk shipping firm. And then there was um, a transaction in the packaging industry as well for a Swiss firm called SIG that raised a sustainability-linked loan. Yeah, so that's pretty much it on the... SLL side and moving back to you, Nick, to a segment regarding our listener questions. And listeners, do remember to write to us at podcast at So, Nick, the first question uh, that we had was related to transition, and we've seen a few notable transactions on the transition side, the most recent one being Japan Airlines. But the question really is when do we really see growth in the transition label? Yeah, so
1: it's a good question. And I think the more diversity of product we have in the sustainable finance markets, the better. So I hope that that label can grow. I think versus green transition has to be more robust. It has to be more detailed, it has to be more scientific, it has to be quite often a lot more heavy duty and obviously for those harder to abate sectors. So whilst we haven't seen a huge amount of bonds or even loans for that matter structured on a use of proceeds basis because most of those deals have been structured more on a linked basis to now. I think we will see certain loans, certain bonds, laborers transition using a use-of-proceeds approach. That's because some investors obviously still prefer a use-of-proceeds approach. So it's not all about linked and the flexibility and ambition. There's still some things that still work well from a more traditional, eligible, CapEx spend, OPEX spend or connected projects that can still translate pretty well. So I think we're moving rapidly into a world where The volume of assets, expenditures, projects that can be labeled transition and are dedicated to make a significant contribution towards decarbonization of a company. We're getting more to a a point of critical mass So rather than just R&D, but R&D can be financed as well. I think what that'll mean is probably some more action on the loan market, but more and more bonds. We've seen quite a flurry of activity in Japan and the Japanese government, like other governments in the world, really pushing and setting the scene for their corporates to decarbonize and be active in transition and really call that out um, thematically through some of the bonds and loans that they're doing. So, yeah, I, I think we will see that more. Hopefully that's over the next few months and into next year where that really starts to take off as there's more critical mass of assets and expenditures dedicated towards transition. So yeah, definitely want to watch this phase.
0: Thanks, Nick. The other question that we had was on ambition and public commitments. So let's say if a company has made some sort of a public commitment uh, in their sustainability report, can those commitments be used as KPIs or as targets really in linked financing?
1: Well, there's a couple of tricky ones today, but let me try and unpack, uh, let me try and unpack that one. So I think the first thing is, it's the analytics, we wouldn't take a black and white view versus something that's been put out in the public domain and committed to by a corporate. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not appropriate to be structured or incorporated into a link facility, but it raises more questions. So our approach would be to have a look at it and say, well, when was the commitment made? How much of the commitment has been achieved? Is it something that was committed to five years ago and the company's done 90% of it? And really, it's a slam dunk. Something like that is obviously a red flag and not workable. But if a commitment has been made that's ambitious, that's robust, and that has stood the test of time, in terms of there's still a long way to go in order to achieve and realise the remainder of that target, or there's still a very big chunk of it that needs to be done, we still see that that can be an appropriate you know, KPI or or target. Again, KPI is about materiality and applicability. Target's about ambition. So it's certainly not a black and white, but if a company has publicly committed to certain targets and KPIs, that's just a flag to ask more. When was it made? Is the baseline still appropriate? How much has been achieved? Have you really garnered all your resources? And it's pretty much a slam dunk because you've worked on it for a number of years. Or is there still a large element of ambition, which is still relevant, which is unknown, and you still have a long way to go to achieving that? So I think that's the approach we would take rather than a black and white. You can't do that, but it's certainly a flag to ask more questions, to dig behind, to assess those things around ambition and certainly ongoing applicability for it. So yeah, again, some great questions from our listeners, and we'd encourage everyone to continue to send those in, and we'll, we'll do our best to, to answer those in the monthly uh, roundup and podcast. So moving right along, jumping back into transactions, what about on the green bond side, DT? Quite a bit of action on that um, linked loan side, maybe not so much on the linked bond side, but what about on the traditional sort of anchor, if we like, of the market on the green bonds, you know, use of proceeds segment?
0: Yeah, I mean, green bonds, always good to see transactions happening there. Uh, It's been a busy month in July as well. So starting with sovereigns, and this is not really a transaction to highlight because the issuance really happened last year. This is the Slovenian sovereign bond issuance that happened last year. But what I really wanted to highlight is that they've published the allocation and impact report for the first time for this bond issuance. And the trend really i mean to note here is that impact is gaining more and more prominence and not just related to specific transactions or specific bonds and loans but we'll really see more and more of such impact reports as investors are putting pressure as there is more transparency growing in the market on really what is the impact of specific transactions as well as at the corporate Um, at the corporate level. But otherwise, on the transaction side, I mean, it's been a busy month for banks. So BTP and Bank in Indonesia issued a green bond. There was another one by PKO Bank, which is a Polish lender. Renewables are also being funded by FIs, which is good to see. So this is Helaba, which is a German bank that uh, raised 600 million euros from six green bonds. Another banking bond was AIB that raised its third green bond. So it's good to see issuers tapping this market quite frequently. And this comes just a couple of months after they issued uh, their first social bond. Another one is in LATAM. So there's a firm called IDB that is actually working with a lot of corporations in South America, and they're really looking to tap the ESG bond markets and tap about 1 billion of ESG bonds for these firms, which is really good to see. Another extremely active development bank is KFW, and they've also raised another green bond and been tapping the market quite frequently. On the export support side, there's a Swedish export credit bank that raised a green bond with use of proceeds tied to sustainable water management, living resources, renewable energy, pollution prevention, so the usual suspects. What else? Yeah, there was one in the insurance sector as well. This was Generali that raised a tier two green bond. Moving on to renewables, so most of these transactions or issuances are in the U.S. So one was by the Industrial Development Authority of Sumter County in U.S. Another one was actually a French company, Voltalia, that issued a green bond. And then moving to India, where I'm based, so we're seeing firms increasingly tapping the domestic market, actually, as the overseas market are quite volatile at the moment. So, two firms, one is Renew Energy and the other is Continuum Green Energy have actually resorted to domestic debt. So, they've issued green bonds in the local market. So, we do see a lot of domestic activity picking up in India. Moving to nuclear, and you mentioned this briefly in your market update as well, Nick, French firm EDF. So, they became the first issuer to really use their green financing framework to support nuclear spending. And yeah, I guess we'll see more of these going forward. On the green building side, a couple of issuances. There was one by PepsiCo that issued a green bond to finance green buildings. There was Swiss firm Ballois and there was also Vanke Enterprise. It's a Chinese firm that has also raised a green bond to finance green buildings. The other issuances really were in mining. So, a whole new different interesting approach. This is a UK low carbon metals supplier, Pensana, that's preparing to issue green bonds. Then there's one by a Spanish firm, Axiona. There are issuances planned for the semiconductor industry, the fertilizers industry, as well as the auto industry. So that sort of rounds it up, and I will hand it back to you now to take us through any notable transaction in the green loans market that we've seen in the past month. Yes, yeah, so
1: the loan market continues to be pretty active again, Within the context of what's happening in broader markets, sometimes bonds are a little bit volatile and maybe sometimes it's a bit more action on the loan markets. But just a couple of things, a couple of interesting thematics. We continue to see the property theme, um, PGIM, real estate, redshirt capital in France, Nikon for their head office. So a lot of um, property-style deals. Probably the more uh, interesting or I should say newer sectors. Again, Vestas, which is a turbine manufacturer, came out green loan with and dedicated equipment very specialized equipment for for renewables they've been active before another interesting sector of the market and sort of connects to a number of points we've already made throughout the podcast today at tt and some transactions you've mentioned would be the vantage data centers 300 million dollar green loan and again data centers telcos that whole enabling digital space you know if you look at the total ghg contribution to global GHG is probably 2% plus, which is around the same as shipping. So there's a lot of work to be done in decarbonising as we increasingly all use more data and become more digital. So things like green buildings, energy efficiency, and use of renewals, then the use of proceeds there. And then a couple of things connected to uh, Hanwha was one, uh, renewables in terms of solar over in, uh, over in the US. So a little bit of action on the green bond side. What about the social bonds slash social loans? the DTN, as we know, probably less getting called out specifically as social on its own and more of the market being included in sustainability, bonds, use of proceeds, green end, and social. But anything particularly called out as social by itself over the recent periods?
0: Yeah, I guess a couple of themes to highlight. One is, of course, affordable housing that remains ever popular and we saw some transactions mostly in the U.S., So there was Everett housing, there was Minnesota housing, there was Alaska housing, all social bonds issued in the last month. Another theme is employment generation, and there was a transaction first of its kind in Australia, which was a by a a human resources firm, APM. So they've secured a social revolving credit facility from a syndicate of banks, and this seems to be first of its kind. Where the user proceeds is tied to both employment generation and also tied to providing healthcare services. So that was one. And then another one that we saw was in Vietnam. This was the first indicator social loan in Vietnam by a Taiwanese based firm called Chile's. So they have secured a social loan, and the user proceeds are tied to supporting small businesses. Another one connected to employment generation was in Italy. So Credito Emaliano issued a social bond and the use of proceeds are tied to employment generation, SME financing, microfinance and, and so forth. So that sort of rounds up the social side. And moving on to our last segment, Nick, so I'll hand it back to you to just uh, round up on the label products, anything notable to note over the month, anything on the transition side as well as some regulatory updates if you can share. Yeah, sure.
1: So I guess to, to sort of round off some of the themes we've talked about today, in terms of label products, probably nothing, let's say earth shattering or new that's come to market, more home loan programs, definition of green in terms of homes and upgrades and beneficial interest rates. Um, for those, lots of different types of deposit products around in the market. UOB coming out with some different types of deposit solutions with, uh, with GIC in my neck of the woods in Singapore. So I think we'll continue to see that linked style of deposits, linked style of different financial instruments, guarantees, use of proceeds, connected deposits. All these sort of things continue to grow. And as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, this whole area of sustainable supply chain how you rate suppliers, how you have set of KPIs across suppliers, and then how you aggregate that, how you weight it, and then embed it back in some sort of trade facility. As we know, a lot of banks are very active in providing different types of support to corporates for their trade requirements. And there's an interesting article from Green Biz um, on the best way to incentivize supplier sustainability and, and often corporate struggle to get the data. So maybe some of these programs help to get data help to get due diligence, help to build that deeper piece because often impact, risk and impact from a positive point of view is multiple layers through a supply chain or value chain for a, for a corporate. In terms of transition, nothing really to call out specifically in addition to what we've mentioned before, apart from just some ongoing articles about just transition, how that concept will grow. And I guess that's all about, this. we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but as a continued item on the menu of issues for sustainable finance, heavily connected to transition. is really that human or social dimension of transition and net zero, which is really important. And we're starting to see more articles, more talk, a couple of interesting reports about that, what good looks like, what companies should be considering. As we all come to grips with what should be in a good transition plan, there's certainly a human element to that, just transition element to that, which is good to see as a topic. In terms of regulations in countries, as we mentioned before, always lots happening in the EU in terms of green bond standards, taxonomy developments, corporate disclosures, all of that continuing to grow. you know the SEC still in its consultation and looking at different things around greenwashing and mandatory disclosures of climate risks and you know many more markets adapting TCFD as mandatory um, basis for disclosure. So what's happening around those sort of key Key markets, lots of things coming out of China, Hong Kong growing fast, India, some interesting articles, I guess, in your neck of the woods, a about the ongoing momentum there, the different things that can be financed as India's ambition grows around decarbonising its economy. You know, Africa and Middle East, again, we won't dig into those markets too much, but excellent. As we always say, diversity of product, diversity of sector diversity of geography is really important to keep growing and stretching and embedding this market globally um, and these things into financial markets. A couple of articles about the UK and whether they're lagging behind on, on some of the green financing initiatives versus Europe or not. Again, as I mentioned before, SEC, US, EU, UK, these key markets, what they're doing, how they're doing it. So I guess watch this space and interesting regulatory developments in places like the US in terms of the Supreme Court rulings around the Environment Protection Authority and just lots of things happening at it once to sort of condense that down and figure out exactly what that means for supporting the market or not is actually quite difficult. But watch this space, still what's happening in the in the regulatory space. So maybe back to you to wrap things up, Aditi.
0: Thanks, Nick. And all right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Link to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter handle at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.